Right to be Red podcast, episode number 105, interview with Crystal Earl. Hey, authors. Wish you could just write books and forget about all this marketing and coordinating with freelancers and formatting and proofreading and stuff? You're not alone. It's every artist's dream to just be able to create art while turning over the whole business and marketing side to someone who really loves and is really great at doing just that. If you're ready to start treating your writing like a business and get an experienced publishing and marketing team behind your words, pay a visit to Archangel Inc. Archangel Inc. does absolutely everything needed to take a manuscript and turn it into a finished product ready to sell in all markets and multiple formats from cover design to audiobook and everything in between. And as an Archangel Inc. client, you'll be able to promote your book through Buck Books, the world's fastest growing book promotion website at no extra charge. To find out more, go to www.archangelinc.com. That's archangelinc.com. You are listening to the Right to Be Read podcast, and this is your host, Ani Alexander. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Right to Be Read podcast. It's me again, Annie Alexander, and as always, today again with yet another interview, I will try to inspire and encourage you. Today, I have a special guest. Uh, she's one of the people I met online just a few weeks ago, and I'm going to follow from now on. Um, we kind of clicked when we met online, and um, I decided that she can bring value to the podcast and tell very important things and share her message, which I think that you need to hear too. So today I'm going to talk to Crystal Earl. And she is a speaker, entrepreneur, passionate author, and transformational coach. We all tell stories to ourselves and the world about who we are and what we are here to create. Crystal works with people who want to understand how to take their unique story, voice, passion and purpose into the world in a way that resonates and connects with who they are and the audience they want to reach. So basically, we will be talking today about how the stories we tell ourselves shape our future events in our life. So let's go ahead and start the interview now. Okay, I'm really happy we had this conversation before with Crystal and I kind of I know her a bit, uh, you know, in a more informal uh, sort of chat. And today we will try to be as formal as we can. Although, you know, none of my interviews have been formal up to now. <laughs> so Crystal, welcome to the show. I'm really happy to have you over. Thank you, Annie. It is so great to be here today. Yeah, well, I'm kind of, you know, I was inspired with your personal story. And I, I think we will dive into that. So our listeners get inspired too. So let's kind of start from the beginning and, you know, uh, portion by portion, let uh, the listeners know what was happening. And it, because I think it's a really great story. Besides being a personal story, it's also a really great story of becoming a writer. So let's mm -hmm. just dive into... Um, you starting writing, how did that happen? And how did you eventually decide to write your very first book? Um, oh, gosh. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, to, to kind of put some context around it, I am, 
I am. I live between Toronto and uh, the north coast of Dominican Republic in the Caribbean. And the reason I do is because um, I was. I am originally the co-founder of a of a charity, an international humanitarian charity. And in two thousand nine, I after I'd met the the girl that is now my daughter. But um, in one of the communities that I worked in here in, in Dominican Republic, hosting teams, and we were working with Haitian families in this community. Um, I found out that this little girl's mother had just died suddenly, and she was orphaned. And so it put me on this uh, this quest in this search at that time with my then husband. To uh, we just decided we wanted to look into adoption and uh, to begin to try to find her. And a few months later, through a, a really amazing serendipitous series of events, I found her, um, the in the village where I'd last seen her, I found someone who knew her. And they took me to her grandmother. And within five minutes, I was sitting in this woman's home, this Haitian woman's home. And uh, I brought a translator and I'm staring at this woman. And all I have to show this woman is just this little, this picture of me holding her granddaughter from a year and a half ago when her birth mother was alive. And I looked at this woman and through the translator, I said to her, uh, I know that we don't really know each other. You've seen me here working in the village. I said, but I really feel that I would, would love to be able to have the chance to raise your granddaughter. I know that it's very difficult for you and you um, are, not, are having a hard time doing that. And if you'd be willing to let me, I would, I would love to pursue adopting her and raising her and bringing her to Canada with me. And the grandma didn't say anything. She just stared at the ground for a second and, you know, talking about the stories we tell ourselves as the, as the grandma's staring at the ground, I'm thinking, oh, Crystal, you idiot. What are you thinking? You just insulted this woman. And, you know, and all of a sudden she, she said something in Haitian and she had tears in her eyes and she looked at my translator and said it. And the translator stopped and he paused. And then he turned to me and he said, she said that that would be a good thing because if she goes with you to Canada, she won't die. And that wow. is, that is honestly how my whole ad- adoption journey started. And within the next month and a bit, uh, we had started the process working with the family and the Canadian government at the time. We were going to do an emergency visa, and my daughter had been sent to Haiti, and um, and we worked with everybody to get all the proper paperwork, and we were going to be bringing her back to Canada, and things got held off and held off, and so um, by in December I was in Haiti getting things ready. And I went back to Canada. I had had custody of my daughter at the time. And I had to run. I had to go back to Canada because I'm also a professional speaker. And I I had to do a tour, a speaking tour in uh, Denmark for a couple weeks. And so I was just getting ready. I was going to be going back to get uh, my daughter. And I'm in Denmark. I'm on this two-week tour. And I'm sitting in a Turkish shawarma shop in Copenhagen, Denmark. (laughs) And I'm eating a shawarma. And I'm looking up at the TV and uh, going by on the TV is this is this news flash, and I can't read anything because it's all in Danish. Except I could see the one, this two words: earthquake in Haiti. And uh, mm. I just stopped, and I knew that my life had just changed, and uh, that changed everything. So our all, everything that we'd signed, uh, even the, the judge that we were about to work with, everybody um, in Haiti that we finished everything with, everything was destroyed and lost, and we were left to start all over again. And so I came to Dominican Republic thinking I was just going to get her for a couple of weeks and we would be, you know, emergency um, transported out of, out of Dominican right at the, as they were starting to help all these other families bring their kids out. But ours wasn't far enough in process and we were left behind. And so when I came here in 
at the end of January of 2010, I thought I was going to be here for two weeks. <laughs> and I'm currently doing this interview right now in my living room on the north coast of Dominican Republic. Wow. <laughs> and uh, so uh, and it just began a series of events in my life. And within a year, um, everything had changed in my life. And I ended up being uh, separating from my husband. And things just started to change rapidly in my life. And I just had to make some decisions about how I was going to choose the story from that point forward. And so my writing began as I had started blogging, as I'm sure a lot of people that even listening to this podcast, I just, I, I had to figure out a way to just start processing all of this stuff. And I, I started blogging about my life here and wanting, and, and I'm very extroverted. So it became a way that I could reach out to people uh, in, around me. And I began to get some feedback on the blogs and people began to share them. And then I began, in the background, I started to write down the story of where I'd come from. And that just began to uh, inspire me to pursue taking that and not, it's not making a memoir, but extracting from that um, not only the lessons that I learned, but the common things that I could share with other people. Mm. And oftentimes when I think when we sit down to write a book, and you can probably say this too, whatever, whatever our original idea or vision for the book or any project that we do, uh, it, it morphs and it changes with us as we change. And that's what happened with the book. And yeah. so, uh, so over the course of the, um, the last year and a half, I've, I did a crowdfunding campaign for the, for my book and raised the money to publish it. And it came out last fall, but the, the whole idea and around it is, and around my life is around how we choose the stories that we tell ourselves, you know, Seth Godin once said, um, we're always telling stories, but the most powerful stories that we will ever tell are the ones we tell ourselves about who we are mm-hmm. and, you know, and about what we're capable of creating in the world. And that's been my personal, my, my personal journey has been recognizing that there have been a lot of stories about myself that are not, that I have, I've been choosing to believe and I've been navigating my life around them as if they were real, but they're not. They're just I like, mm-hmm. you know, they're just, a, they're just a leftover memory of something that I've allowed to resonate inside of me and, and I've allowed it to become something bigger than it needs to be. And so changing that has, has completely transformed my life. So can you tell that somehow um, when you started writing, it had um, in a way therapeutic effect on you and it was like a therapy and it helped you cope with the reality and maybe also discover things about you and your life? Oh, yeah, completely. So as, as a result, my, my daughter's never been able to leave um, Dominican and so I commute back and forth between Toronto and here. She stays here. And um, so what writing for me started something that I would do on the plane to kind of, you know, I wanted to collect my thoughts. And then it became a daily, I I started educating myself around the power of the daily writing habit itself. Um, Julia Cameron in her book, um, The Artist's Way, talks about the morning pages and and the practice of just beginning to write. And just, and I see it like, I always picture my my morning writing is is like a... (laughs) Um, you know, a pail of milk when it's freshly milked from a cow, there's like cream, <laughs> the cream rises to the top and you can like, you know, just scoop that off. And, and that's how I see my morning writing is like, sometimes it's like, wow, it's so inspired. Other times it's like, whoa, that's ugly. Or that's really, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> what was I thinking? Was I even awake when I wrote that? But it's like, I'm just kind of, you know, shifting off the, the fuzz off the top of my head to, to begin to think clearly. 
And so that's how my writing became, began to become a practice. And I began to set goals for myself. And I had, at first I wasn't disciplined and a lot of people, you know, I, I told myself, oh man, you know, I'm not disciplined enough. I'm very extroverted and I like to be spontaneous. And I read a quote one time from an author that said, um, people ask me when I write and I say that I'm, I write whenever I'm inspired and I decide that I will be inspired every morning at 9 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so, so I just decided, you know what, Crystal, I, I told myself, if you really want to be a writer, and if you really want to do something with this and you say that this, these books and these ideas and there's something inside of that you want to bring to the world, then you have to treat that with, with the respect that it deserves. And you have to treat it with the dignity that it deserves to have the space in your life to be able to explore. And doing that changed everything. Uh, because it, it changed how I, how I saw my writing. It changed my passion to become a better writer. But it also changed um, the, how writing it in the beginning became about what I wanted to write about. And it made me more observant about what I, what I now recognize other people will connect with mm-hmm. and how I can best honor um, you know, best honor where I've come from and, and best honor the, the opportunity that people, when, when people pick up your, your books or your articles or whatever, they're, they're, they're giving you an incredible gift. They're giving you their attention. And that's not something to be taken lightly. That's, that's actually, that's an honor and a privilege to be able to have their attention for a good time or a long time, however long it is. And so I want to show up when I'm bringing something to them. I want to show up with the best that's going to serve them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I see. And I, I'm, I'm always kind of curious about this because I've, I've never collected really a courage to kind of write about my personal life and, you know, what, what I've been gone through. I mean, I, both of my novels are based on true stories, but they're mm-hmm. like the true stories of other people's lives, not mine. Right. So mm-hmm. I was just wondering, I mean, how easy it is or how liberating it is or how scary it is to actually <laughs> kind of sit down and and write about your personal life and kind yeah. of share it t- with so many people you've never seen and you've never known and to kind of you know uh, make um, I mean put yourself in this vulnerable situation where these people can read and kind of evaluate and and kind of judge what you've written. Were you scared about this or not? Yes. Yes to all the above. Yes, no, and everything. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I I was at first because, and that's the beautiful thing about writing is, you know, you go back and you you write and you, you, we call it in my writer's group, we call it vomit onto the page. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) You know, you just get it out there. And then you go back and you read it with a fresh set of eyes again, and you come back in, you edit it, and you work through. And, and having, for me, there's been a couple things that were really great for that is that I had people that were reading it as I was going, as I was going along. I'm in a writer's group, which is really super healthy. But um, I had friends that were, I felt could give me honest feedback and weren't worried about how I would receive it about. And so I, I would send them chapters at a time and say, you know, does this, how, how do you, what, what do you think of this? Is there anything that you would add to this or anything? Um, and one of the things that I've come to realize, and uh, I just wrote a blog about this yesterday, is there's a, a really big difference between being authentic and being sensationalized. And we, uh, I think we can lose, 
we can lose the um, the impact of what true authenticity is because we can think, you know, uh, we live in a, in a culture that's all about like, you know, reality TV and I just want to be real about things. And, and I know there's a place and a time for those things, but when you're, when you're writing to share with other people, because from, you're coming from a place where you really want to help them. Authenticity says, I, um, it's not about being sensationalized and, and it's not about focusing on all the bad things. It's about saying, this is where I came from. And this is really how I felt. This is where I was at, but this is what I found through that. And I, I heard um, a speaker one time say in, in some speaking training that I was doing, he said that if you become so specific about how you felt and what you experienced in that moment, the message becomes universal for mm-hmm. those around you. And that's how, that's how I've begun to approach, that's how I approached my writing. And so when I wrote the book, I got very specific um, because there's a lot of really delicate and tender details about my life, as there are a lot of people. And I never, I didn't want to cast anybody in a bad light. I wasn't trying to betray anybody's confidence. I chose to um, give, give insights into how I felt. And I made it always about the things that I took away from it. And I didn't want to dwell in all the, all the, like for lack of a better term, all the bad things, because we all go through those things. Those are common to our human experience, but it's what we choose to do with it and how we choose to change those stories that makes us the people that we are and creates, puts us in a different place. And that was always my goal with this book. So, um, however, when the book came out, I remember thinking, okay, now everything's on lot, like, you know, it went live. I also, I also have print copies in my book. And I remember the day that the box showed up at the door of my apartment and in Toronto, and I was like, I opened up the, the box and I'm holding the book. I'm like, okay, well, this is like, there's no going back from this. <laughs> <laughs> and, but I felt good because I felt like I'd honored the people in the story. I'd honored myself. And I was true to my experience without sensationalizing anything. And that was very liberating and freeing because I felt like I, um, I really did have something now to give back to the world uh, because of what I'd come through. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I see. So I just realized, you know, funny, but this happens with me sometimes. I realized that we never mentioned the title of your book. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's called Resonate, the Stories We Tell Ourselves. Okay, so, uh, I mean, you, you think that um, the stories we tell ourselves kind of shape our upcoming events and our behavior and so stuff like that. So eventually we are able to to come up with new stories and and change things mm-hmm. you know in coaching one of the uh one of the concepts that we talk about a lot is accepting and creating and we can tend to think that uh if we we accept we can see accepting something as almost admitting defeat yeah. <laughs> you know that i i accept that you know uh i mean it could be anything i accept that i went through traumatic experience in my life, or I accept that I had this major disappointment Mm -hmm. and we can think that, okay, I accept it, you know, but the reality is, is that accepting it is true acceptance with what we've come through and is actually recognizing that it is where it is, or I am where I'm at, but I create something from this point forward. I choose. I may not have realized the power that I had in the past to make that decision, but from the moment that I recognize it and embrace it and accept that I hold the power to decide what I'm going to believe about myself and, and what I'm capable of creating, when I take hold of that power, that's the minute that I begin to change that story. And it's not an overnight thing. Like, 
I really don't think that, you know, we can't change the past. We, and, and we really can't change uh, how, uh, the, you know, the emotions or the feelings that will still continue to assault us in the days ahead. Like there are going to be days when all of us will, will question whether we're, whether we're good enough to do something or whether, you know, we can be brave enough to try it or whether we have what it takes. But recognizing and asking ourselves a couple key questions changes those things. So the first thing that I always tell, um, tell people and when I'm working with my coaching clients even is if they'll say something like, you know, I could never do that. And uh, one of the examples I always use is, you know, people say, I could never be a speaker. I could never stand up on a stage and speak in front of people. And I'll say, is that true? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, well, and then they'll say, well, I don't think I could. Okay, is that really true? And, and drilling down and asking ourselves, because there are so many things that we take at face value because we've just become so accustomed to navigating around those thoughts and feelings in our lives. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, you know, I, I liken it to, um, in, in my, in my apartment, I have, you know, you have your bedroom in particular, your bedroom furniture usually stays the same. And at, at nighttime or you, you know, if you're walking around in that room and it's dark and you can't see anything, you automatically uh, instinctively, even though you, you may not realize it, often you will know how many steps it is from, you know, one spot in there to another spot in the yeah, room. And true. you'll know, you know, when I get to this spot, I got to, I got to turn left here because then I'll bang into the bed and, you true. know, or whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We navigate around things uh, because we're just, we just take those as at, in, at, at face value. And what happens in our lives and how we see ourselves is if when we hang on to things that are not serving us, we begin to navigate our lives around them, unknowingly often, but we, we accommodate those things. So if we are scared of trying something new, we actually accommodate that fear rather than challenging it. And we just continually, like that bedroom in the dark, we navigate around it and we try to find ways around it to, to allow that fear to still exist. By changing the story, we face the fact that, hey, you know what? I'm scared of doing that. That actually, it, it like, I'm, I, I have to be honest and say I'm scared of it. There's nothing wrong with, with re- acknowledging that you're scared of something or that you're questioning whether you can or not. There's absolutely nothing wrong with doing that. But it's what you choose to do with that that changes everything. Okay, so let's can can we kind of get a, a bit practical and take of course take a real life example and mm-hmm. and try to see how we can kind of you know retell the story and you know d- d- make uh, another story that we tell ourselves and change mm-hmm. change where we are which yeah. is a place we don't really like to be. So let's yeah. say, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm going back like to my teenage years because mm-hmm. um, I shared my first writing experiences with my audience and they kind of resonated with that mm-hmm. and back then uh, although I was writing already I kind of I never thought my of myself as a writer uh, I never thought that my writing was any good so I wasn't yeah. even considering sharing it with others mm-hmm. and I, I thought that it couldn't be anything more than just a hobby so I wasn't really serious about that about writing because I thought that it's just you know something teenagers do they just scrabble and you know they yeah. they take things out of their chest and then you know later on at some point mm-hmm. they lose the these papers and I, I didn't even have a, a computer back then you know I'm, I'm quite mm-hmm. old 
master. <laughs> but but anyway, so you know, this self-doubt and all these stories I told myself as being, you know, uh, not really a writer and not writing good enough and you know, mm-hmm. not being serious about writing. It kind of didn't let me even seriously anyway at some point even consider that I might, for example, at university study something related to uh, creative writing or whatever it is. I mean, it, mm-hmm. I didn't even reach the stage when I thought that maybe this is something I would like to pursue in the future. So at, at the end, I ended up studying business, majoring finance and, you know, going to a completely different direction. So let's say, I mean, I have many listeners who I know that have all these doubts and they too are not really sure that, you know, they could become a writer and they are not really sure about their writing so much that they they are even too scared to share it with anyone else but themselves. So they Mm -hmm. they end up being their only reader. And that's kind of the stories they are telling, like these negative stories of them being bad writers. Uh, Although, you know, they are passionate so much about writing that they go on and write on regular basis and they have this urge and need and passion to do so. So let's kind of try to tell the right stories and to let them kind of explain them what could be done and what okay. could be changed. Okay. So let's, let's use that, using that example, let's say that you are someone that is, um, you've been writing maybe for the last couple of years, you've, you know, you've got either files or notebooks or whatever stashed away of things and you're listening right now and you're thinking, I wonder, um, I, I, that's great. And probably, Truthfully, if you are that person, you, you're listening, but then there's something that's coming up in the back of your mind and saying, that's great, but you don't understand where I've come from. <laughs> you don't understand the challenges or you don't, um, you, that's easy for you to say because. Mm-hmm. And already those are things that we can begin to have a beginner's mindset. One of the best things that we can do for ourselves is to, um, as cheesy as it sounds, is, is to be kind to ourselves. And what I mean when I say that is to lift judgment off ourselves. And instead of saying, why am I so negative? Or why can't I get, you know, why can't I get my, my stuff, my crap together? Or why can't, instead of saying, hmm, like with a beginner's mindset, isn't it interesting that I have a hard time embracing the fact that I, I'm a writer? Isn't it interesting because, you know, if we were, we're, we think those thoughts and, and we think those judgments because we're attached to everything because we know all the background of it. And so we're, we're so, we, we're so connected and, and we've, we've so tightly woven, um, our, our present with our past that we think that they're all interconnected. They're not. So, and, and to put that into more practical terms, when we say, isn't that interesting? Because if, you know, if, if I was to hear you say that and, and I'm sitting outside of you and I'm completely unattached and, and I'm objective to what you're saying. And if I hear that someone's writing and they've, they've put all this work and they're scared to say, show anybody, I would be like, that doesn't change the fact that you're still a writer, <laughs> right? <laughs> you, yeah. You're a writer. Writers write. You're a writer. Yeah. Right, writers write. That's right. That's, that's exactly, that's, that's a beautiful way to put it. You know, I think there's a, a hashtag that um, people use a lot that I see. I'm a writer right? I am a writer. I'm a writer. I identify with it. And that, you know, part of that is what, what we'd say, you know, in the, in the whole idea behind affirmations and, and the words that we use around everything by, by 
just embracing it. And, you know, sometimes we have to just, even if all we have to do is like close the bathroom door and whisper it to ourselves, I'm a writer, (laughs) you know, like what is one thing you can do today? If you're listening to this right now, what is one thing that you can do today to embrace that? Is it that you need to write a note to yourself and say, I'm a writer. You know, sometimes I email myself the night before if I think in case you have a bad day today and I remind myself of all the reasons that I'm going to be okay. (laughs) I have all these little life hacks of getting around my own story. Well, actually what they can do is they can email me or you actually, you know, just saying that they are writers or, or, you know, I would love that. That Or share their challenges and struggles. Why not? I mean, let's share. I mean, my email is Ani at AniAlexander.com and Crystal's is Crystal at yourbrillianceunlimited.com and C-H-R-I-S-T-A-L, by the way. Okay. <laughs> at yeah. I would love that, you know, and, and really, what is it that we're so scared of? So I once heard Danielle Laporte say, fear is just one of many emotions. <laughs> Isn't that yeah. a funny thing? You know, it, we, we think it's so much bigger than it is, but any emotion we feel, any, any thoughts that we feel, they only have their power because we give them really emotions are, you know, they're actually like parasitic in nature. They need a host to survive. They're just a passing thing. They fear doesn't exist without the power that we give it. Mm -hmm. So when we, when we, when we fear embracing who we are, who we want to be, we can, um, we can tend to think that that's beyond our control, but the, it starts with, and this is what I I work with a lot of people when when I'm coaching them. It starts with understanding the, what you've, what you've, the assumptions you've made, the beliefs that you've held onto and the beginning and the steps that you can take consistently every day to begin to change those. And if all that someone has the courage to do is to take one step a day, then it's one step they're taking towards changing that story. Mm-hmm. And, and it's lifting, you know, and, and celebrating that, ch- that, that, that step, celebrating that step, you know, if, if for you, because you're writing, but you've been scared to share it, for you, starting a Tumblr blog and popping your writing up there might be something that you can do, say, today, I, I'm, I can celebrate the fact that I took this step. Maybe it's, you know, finally saying, um, going live on, on Facebook or, or Twitter um, and saying, I've started a blog and this is where you can find my writing at. I would love to hear your thoughts. It's, you know, we're so scared because we, we think that with writing or any, anything of, cre- you know, it's kind of like the the paradox of being a creative is we, we become so attached to what we create that we, we forget that we are not what we create. It's a, it, it comes from inside of us, but it's not us. We still, our worth doesn't, it exists apart. We, we're valuable and we're worthy simply because we're here. What we choose to create, if we, if we can recognize it as it's something we create and it's for the world, whether the world chooses to embrace it or not, if we've done our part in creating, we have done the part that we needed to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we can celebrate that. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, if you are scared and if you don't want to share it with anyone else, just, you know, send us an email and we'll make sure that we cheer you up and help you out. And, you know, you'll be one step closer to the story mm-hmm. you want to tell yourself. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay, so uh, let's say, I mean, I, I just, you know, want to go back briefly. And um, you said that you crowdfunded your book. Mm-hmm. 
I did. And that's what kind of, you know, uh, financed uh, the, you know, the publishing of it. Mm -hmm. So basically, uh, did you already have an audience in place? Did you already have a platform which kind of backed you up? Or if you didn't, uh, how did you manage to, to get to your goal? Yeah, you know, crowdfunding is an interesting thing because it was like, and going back to the, you know, changing the story, it was kind of the first step that I, I embraced the, the thought that, you know, I, I didn't want to ask people for money. I, it was kind of, it felt like a weird thing because I just finished, um, uh, I'd started this, our charity in 2000 and I just finished up and I resigned from the charity. And now here I was doing a crowdfunding campaign. It seems so funny, but what I did was I, I leveraged my friend, my friends. And when I say leverage, I don't mean use them. I mean, I shared with them, um, the, the story behind the book and why I wanted to do it in the end with, a, uh, I, I never reached, I never reached the goal that I'd set out, but that's because that was actually okay. I mean, I, I raised a significant amount of money that did cover all the costs of publishing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I learned so much through it. And, uh, I think, I can actually share the link with you for this podcast if people want to go back and see what I did for the crowdfunding campaign. Sure. If they want to have some ideas. But the, and there are lots of ideas. I used Indiegogo. Indiegogo was great. Their support was awesome. And there are a lot of authors in particular that do use Indiegogo for projects. One of the things with crowdfunding to remember is you want um, people, people will support you in crowdfunding, at, especially at, at, as being an author or creative, it's different if we're like, you know, creating, I don't know, like sunglasses or something. And that's a little different. It's, yeah. it's a product that people can buy. But when you're doing a crowdfunding campaign that is so personal, people invest in you because of you. They want, they believe in you. And so uh, crowdfunding is an, a really amazing way to also get, build the audience for, for your project. And to, so I, what I did with my crowdfunding was I offered them different things, but I gave everybody an, a copy of the ebook when they, whenever they supported, whenever they supported me, I gave them some free chapters ahead of time and mm-hmm. just different things like that. And everybody, I mean, you can make it so personal and Indiegogo has great, uh, and I think all the crowdfunding ca- platforms do, but they have really great, um, training videos and they'll walk you through things on, on how to ma- to create a really great campaign. Crowdfunding is, it is a lot of work. But it's a really great way to um, get the word out and to build um, build build an audience around what you're working on doing, and even just making people aware. You know, there's a lot of people probably even listening to this podcast that you know people may not even realize that you're that you're writing, and it's kind of you know it, it kind of is to not when you share something that you're creating, it's actually you're doing the world a favor, right? You're bringing something beautiful to the world. So why would you be scared to you know the world wants wants to see, to see you succeed. The people that believe in you want to see you succeed and want to see um, what your creations come out into the world. Oh, yeah. You, you make it sound so nice. I kind of, I, I, I'm listening to you. I'm here, I'm sitting and thinking like, how come I never thought about opening a car, crowdfunding mm-hmm. <laughs> campaign for one of my projects <laughs> up to now? <laughs> well, and you know what? I Originally, I did it because I was like, man, I, I, didn't, I didn't have quite frankly, I just didn't have the funds to do what I wanted to do with the book with, in terms of editing and everything. And so yeah. that was the only way. And, and, uh, and it was just, it was, it was such an awesome experience for me personally. It just was so great to connect with people. And it was such a beautiful thing to, I was so honored and touched by the people uh, who did support me and the, the amount of support that I, that I got. But 
Um, so part of that, I think, is definitely from the work that I did in the past. But when I go back through the list of the people, it's actually still the people that supported me were people that were already in that inner circle of my life. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I see. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what are your like upcoming plans? So I, I, I don't know. I mean, did you feel like writing a book is like a drug and you, you, you kind of you get hooked and you want to do it more and more? Or, you know, what was your experience with that? <laughs> well, I think I think I'd probably speak for everybody listening. It's like it depends what day and what time of day you ask me. Whether <laughs> is, it a, is it a drug that's helping me or really? Um, I, since then, I, I did a second book. It went straight to um, it went straight to e book uh, platform and it's, it's for sale on, in Amazon and Kindle. But when people sign up for my email list, they can get it for free. And it's uh, about how to a 10 day journey on how to change the stories you're telling yourself. So it's, mm-hmm. it's not, it's not a workbook for the book. It, it draws on some of the book, but it's, um, goes into different places that I didn't touch on in the book. Okay. Uh, so and, if we go back to that example, I mean, those yeah. people can actually get it for free and have a t- 10 day practical tips yes. of how to do that. Mm-hmm. Oh, yep. that's great. They can find so, it right on my website. Yeah. Okay. So your website once again, so they don't get lost. Yourbrilliancunlimited.com. Yourbrilliancunlimited.com. Great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Sorry, I interrupted you. That's Go okay. On. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and and being in, and I, I know I've said this in the past, and I, when I would read that other people would talk about this, I didn't, I didn't really realize how valuable it would be for me, but. Um, I'm in a writer's group here actually in Dominican Republic and it's it's a fun thing because we're actually all from different countries from all over the world and, and we live in this funny little microcosm of, of the world um, and we meet every couple weeks and we uh, we give each other feedback and it's such a beautiful positive thing we never we we laid out a couple ground rules for our writers group and we said this is what we're going to do and this is how we support each other and so we share everything from publishing information and things that we're learning to uh, feedback with each other on our, our work that's been super helpful for me because that keeps me moving forward so I, I have my um, I have two other books that are um, that I'm working on. One is uh, about about actually speaking. It's called mm-hmm. Inside Out Speaking, and um, the other one is, is called Dwell, and it will be coming out at the end of the year. So yeah, I do feel like writing is like a drug, but um, more than that, I feel like there's just you know it's a part it's a part of who I am, and uh, I just you know every time I, I realize that someone picked up my book or they they're interested in, I just feel. Um, I feel very humbled by that because it's it's very amazing to think that these you know we we have this opportunity as writers and creatives that we're there's all these things inside of us that are there for a reason and that they're there for the world and when we actually begin to to come into agreement with those things and say yes I want to give you back to the world now this beautiful synergy happens and it, we can help people change the way that they think in so many ways and and I'm like I focus on nonfiction, but I actually would say that it's almost an equal amount that my life has been touched by fiction and nonfiction when I read, because I, I just, you know, the power of storytelling, I mean, it's the most ancient form of communication, right? So yeah. it's a beautiful gift to bring to the world. And, um, and books are very alive and well, and they come in all shapes and forms. And so if anybody uh, listening in the podcast would like to 
find out. Um, I can I can give you a resource about how we run our writers group. If anybody's looking to start something, we do it in person. But I know I have a lot of different friends that run writers groups online, and they just make Skype dates and they submit and and do things. And it really is important to connect up with other people. So I can I can give some resources there for anybody that may not that may be wondering how they can connect more. The, the, in particular, the world of ind- indie authors is a very giving and generous community yeah. around the globe, and uh, it's been it's been like a lifesaver for me to find these people. Yeah, it's true, and I think that uh, you know writing itself is uh, a lonely process. So mm-hmm. when you kind of mix it up with all these writers groups and the support and the meetings and yeah. the feedback, it kind of stops being a completely you know isolated and lonely process and becomes kind of you know a mixture of being alone when you basically need to focus and and produce, but yeah. at the same time kind of enjoy this support and enjoy the people around you who who kind of they know what you've been through because they've been doing the same thing too and I and I always say you know kind of connecting and speaking about writing and showing your writing to writers is a completely different experience from doing it to with people who have never written anything and don't really imagine what you know what processes you go through and what struggles are kind of you know eating you up (laughs) Yeah, totally. And, you know, it's, it's really, I think we always think that, oh man, people are going to find what's wrong with it. But if you set things up and, and you, you know, do a few, a couple simple boundaries and you're, everybody's coming to that from a place of mutual respect for each other, wherever they're at, it's amazing. Like the, how I, every time after we meet and I connect with other writers, I actually feel so strengthened and I feel validated in, in my, in my projects because um, you know, it's so good to connect with other people that get that we're all journeying on this together and we all have something to bring and we can honor what each other brings to the table. Yeah, I see. Well, I've been sp- speaking to many nonfiction authors mm-hmm. and they've always brought up the fact that uh, kind of, you know, uh, their books have been uh, linked to their businesses and, you know, mm-hmm. Uh, later on, uh, they, I mean, I even spoke with Peter Shankman recently and in his interview, he said that the book is the best way to get speaking gigs. Yes. And as a speaker, uh, you know, have you seen this effect? How did those books of yours actually uh, affect your speaking uh, business? Mm-hmm. Yeah, in a couple ways, actually. Um, once, once you even whether or not you fully feel like it having having a book out actually makes it's like a calling card right that's kind of been the old term that people always said it's like a book is a calling card for a business mm-hmm. secondly what the book did does for my speaking engagements is it actually provides another form of income so i um i use um i have my books shipped to where I'm speaking or I have, I have supplies at at my place and I take them with me and it's extra income when I'm out speaking because truthfully, sometimes speaking, I mean, when you're trying to get out there and that's, you know, a whole other conversation for another podcast, but, um, when you're, when you're trying to get out there, sometimes you can't find speaking engagements, but you know, reality is, is you need to make a living. You got to eat. And, and, um, so having the book and having the opportunity to speak on the topics of the book and then be give chances for people to pick up the book after or to, you know, do book signings and everything. It really does help your business a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I see. 
Well, great. And and what about the other way around? I mean, we always speak about like, you know, people who have businesses and then they write around those topics to an- add credibility and to leverage the business and, and you know, to position themselves as, as experts. What about mm-hmm. the other way around? What if someone wrote a book on a certain subject and wants to become a speaker from scratch? What mm-hmm. should be done? Because we always kind of speak about the other end. And what if someone yeah. is an author and wants to become a speaker too? Because mm-hmm. I guess there are some, right? Oh, yeah, for sure. I would say that someone like Brene Brown is probably a really great example of that because she first wrote um, Daring Greatly and she only started doing a little bit of speaking. But since the book, the books came out, that's when her speaking took off. And uh, someone like her is a great example to look at because what she did was she disseminated the information from the books and put those into usable chunks of, of um, digestible content for people, whether it was that she created uh, courses out of it. Uh, it. It fueled her keynotes when she's out speaking and workshops. So for me personally, that's also what I do. I I use the the principles that I, I've highlighted in, in my books to um, those become things because truthfully, whatever you're writing about, if it's resonating with an audience, it's stuff that they're going to want to hear and go more into depth in, you know, in a workshop or a speaking um, opportunity. And so I, I put those into usable chunks for workshops and they feel my keynotes and the points from the book eventually um, are woven into what I'm speaking about from the stage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I see. Well, I guess we covered quite a lot in here. But, you know, it, it was like a, a, a high speed kind of, you know, value packed interview. So I was just wondering, is there anything we, we kind of might have uh, forgotten from the essential stuff that newbie writers need to know? Ooh, no, I, I don't think so. I think the the thing that I found the most um encouraging for me one of the things for me personally was to get connected with other people and if you physically can't do that or geographically get connected online uh, I surprisingly found Twitter to be actually a really great place and I yeah. know everybody's been talking about Twitter for a long time but I, I guess in my mind had been telling myself about a story about Twitter that I would never be able to build relationships and connections but truthfully you and I are doing this podcast because of another podcast and that was a connection through Twitter and, and yada yada um, and, um, so even though there is so much information, uh, the best way is just to start to connect with people. So, I mean, people can connect with you and I first, if you know, and I'm, I'm sure that you're like me. I love answering questions. I, I love helping people, uh, resource people and helping them find ways that they can begin to, um, whether it's, you know, find, figure out how to start the journey of publishing or wherever they're at and just, connect with people that are doing what you want to be doing and build relationships with them. That's the best way to start. Ah, yeah, exactly. I'm like, you know, I'm so about relationships and mm-hmm. about, you know, real human communication as opposed to SEO and, you know, all yeah. these different tricks and tips that, you know, people are using, but, but which don't really bring in any engagement or any kind of you know uh, things like that so I'm right. I really think that this is the long term and and fundamental kind of you know think uh, the relationships which we will be using over and over again and which will be helping us uh, you know a lot because yeah. I, I'm just feeling it on, on my personal experience you know when you mentioned that you might not some might not uh, because of the geography attend any you know 
meetings, meetups, and writers groups and stuff like mm -hmm. that. I mean, I'm I'm relying on everything completely online just because mm -hmm. of of how far away I am from everything right. everywhere. And you know, sometimes I'm I'm doing interviews on a completely crazy three and four a.m. times <laughs> because <laughs> <Yeah>. of that. <laughs> but uh, but you know, even even a person like me who is so far away from everything and you know uh, can uh, do this and manages to keep in touch with so many people so i guess it's it's completely real it's it's very doable and you know it's it's just a matter of you know uh, how much do you want to do that yeah exactly my uh, my one of the first people that ever coached me and he actually trained me at the i i teach training at the rainer institute and coach training and one of the things he he always says is we look for what we want but we find what we believe yeah. and we can you know we can say we want we want to start we want to start but if whether we um the the tr the proof comes in whatever we believe is possible and if we really believe that it's possible to do this then we will find a way to make it happen okay well thank you very much crystal thanks a lot i'm kind of you know i will do my best to retell the stories I'm telling myself mm. especially the negative ones because mm -hmm. you know I have this uh, weakness too and I tend to kind of you know underestimate some stuff yeah. about me so yeah I'll, I'll go through your free book and try to kind of do this 10-day journey and see what where it leads me to <laughs> awesome awesome so great to talk to you <laughs> me too bye bye well, I hope you enjoyed the interview. As we already mentioned during our talk, please feel free to email us for encouragement and for stating out the new story you will be shaping in your mind. So uh, before we part, another reminder, Right to be Read podcast is becoming one year old on July 1st. I'm organizing a live hangout, a live Q&A session and a party where I would really love to see you. So just hop over and register at www.annialexander.com backward slash birthday. I really hope to meet you there. I'm looking forward to this. It's a really great milestone. I'm very very happy to have you as listeners and I think you listening to this show right now is one of the biggest achievements of my last year. So basically before we part to reinforce Crystal's message just stop telling yourself the stories that keep you away from success and create the new ones which will make things happen. Take care and have a nice week.